Hello and welcome to another episode of the Tabletop for Two podcast. It's episode 45. Can you believe that? I think. Really? This one, yeah. Are you sure? Yeah, pretty sure. Wow. I know, it's hard to believe, right? Things fly by. Crazy. Um, I'm Brad Van Butt. I'm Emily Van Butt. So we are back to uh, to discuss some more two-player stuff. We thought for this episode we would go back and look at some games that we have only talked about once or twice on the show. And maybe dive in a little bit deeper, because um, they're games that we've gotten a chance to play significantly more since we first talked about them. Um, so like I said, we'll get into that in our main segment. We have a couple new games to talk about this week as well that mm-hmm. we that we checked out for the first time. But before we do that, uh, a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, <laughs> make sure to follow us online. What do you do housekeeping? Well, ah. podcast housekeeping. <laughs> I do that all the time. Um, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We are at Tabletop for Two. Uh, mostly on Twitter, it seems, nowadays, but... You can still find us on Facebook and Instagram as well. Make sure you subscribe to the program. Uh, if you have iTunes or Google Play Music, that's the easiest way, but you can also really use any podcatcher that you want to for it. We have a BGG Guild, uh, number 263. Certainly check us out in there as well. You get notifications when the new episodes pop up and you know other stuff that we do as well. And um, and again, we're, we're always taking show topics from you guys. If there's any two-player topics that you would like us to talk about on the show, certainly drop us a line and we will consider it for a future episode. Um, so the first thing I want to talk about is a game that had for a little bit gotten a math trade, um, but it's one that I had my eye on for a while, and this is the Golden Ages. This is the sort of civilization building game, but really it's more of just a Euro game with technologies, it seems like, and you just happen to be expanding a map right. on the board. Um, we and, also And not in any rhyme or reason either. No, just because you're, you're chasing specific... Um, resources as opposed yeah. to territory in most in most cases with the uh with the map expansion and when we played this we also played it with the cult and cultures expansion for our first game because i read through the expansion rules and they didn't really seem to add a whole lot of complexity to the game so i figured we'd be no, fine this is a pretty easy one to learn oh yeah very much so yeah i um uh, i got i grasped it quite quickly so this takes place over four four rounds four game rounds and every round you're going to have a civilization that's presented to you. And you can either take that civilization, each civilization comes with its own sets of bonuses. Or if you'd like, you can keep the ones from previous rounds and keep their bonuses instead. So you always have that choice to make. Some of them are like one-shot bonuses. Um, some of them are permanent Like effects. I had one, I think the one I had was to earn a technology right away. Right, a, a specific one. Right, specific right, right. One. Um, and then once the, once the round gets starts, uh, each player is going to expand the map. And expand their civilization um, onto that new map tile that they've unfolded. And like we said, the map is, even though they are made up of like different land masses, essentially it's broken up into grid spaces that that outlay over this. Um, you start in the center and then spread out at your whim from there. And then uh, your guys, players are going to alternate turns um, using their workers to perform different actions. And this can be the harvesting of resources. This could be the just movement of your civilization. You can acquire new buildings, which give you bonuses. You can acquire wonders, which give you bonuses and victory points as well. Um, you can develop new technologies, which will of course make your actions much more efficient and possibly also pay you more money um, for harvesting specific types of resources. Uh, and that's kind of just what you do. You kind of take turns alternating. Eventually, um, you're going to, once you're out of actions, you're going to pass. This game does the action thing I like where not only if you, when you pass early in the round, 
um, it incentivizes you to do that as soon as possible because as other players take turns, you just sit there and collect money essentially as you go along, which is kind of neat. Um, the things that the expansion added is it added the culture track, um, which was a nice welcome addition to the game. It gave you something else you could do in your turn to acquire these culture cards, um, which gave you various different bonuses as well. The culture track also determined turn order, so you could uh, right. make sure you were the first player if you were the furthest ahead on that culture track. They also added these cult uh, cult cards, which were interesting because you could expand your cult to different neighboring cities and you would essentially collect victory points by doing that but then whoever controlled the city at the end of the game would get victory points right. for all cults I think I expanded. ended up getting points for one of your uh ooh, one of your games <laughs> yeah that's you did um and and that's just kind of how it goes and after four rounds you're gonna tally up your your victory points and whoever has the most points wins now you seem to be really engaged during this one and then about Three quarters of the way through, when I kind of probed you and see how you were, you did not really enjoy yourself here. No, I really didn't. It was just very basic. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It just, I, it didn't really have anything to really wow me. You know what I mean? I just, I kind of felt like I was going through the motions. Yeah. I liked, I mean, I thought the game started off pretty slowly. Like, there's not a whole lot you can do early on. But I, I it really did enjoy, like, the last round when you could kind of chain all of your actions together. And that's when you'd have enough money to purchase some of the better wonders that right. popped out as well. So I did I did enjoy that part of it. Um, but it's weird because it's obviously not... It doesn't do civilization building no. super well. Well, and that was the other thing. Like, you... Each round, you get a tile to put out, mm-hmm. but there's no way to put out extra tiles or, you know, things like that. Or at least not that we saw. Maybe there's right, stuff right. that does let you do but it. But you know what I mean? Because mm. there were three different size tiles, and I think we used two of them. We mm. never used the other one, and I was wondering why, and I, you know, I just never saw anything. I never encountered any cards or any, anything that said, oh, hey, grab one of these and put it out on the board. Actually, I think the um, the smaller tiles, the ones the one size tiles are for when you play five players. I think you need those in uh, the last round, possibly. Well, that would make sense then. Um, but yeah, this one, uh, it, it, but like, so like I was saying, it's, it's not quite Civ game enough to be a really good Civ game, but it's also not a very compelling strategy game Mm-mm. either. Um, I didn't hate the game. I didn't love it either. It's just it's Plus, like there's there's the option to like fight each other, which is limited throughout the game. Well, see, I actually, but I didn't really feel the need to. Well, I like I actually like that mechanic because this game does have like I said, this game does have combat, but instead of like a dice battle, which you normally find in these you games where you build bucks. up units, yeah, you have to pay money, which is essentially like funding the conflict, and you automatically win. And you're like, well, hold on, that's that might sound broken as crap because if you if you can afford it, you just kill everybody. Well, you're you're only limited to a certain number of times that you can initiate and combat it gets during infinitely the game. more expensive each time you do it. Yes, so I I I actually thought that was a clever way to handle the the head bashing part of it. Right, but like I said, I never really felt the need to use it. I think I did it off of. Like I got a free one off of a technology mm. or something, and I just got one of the little tokens for you know. Well, I, I did it because late in the game, it becomes important to control specific areas on the board. Like, some areas are more lucrative than others, or especially if they have a specific resource that you're chasing down. So, mm-hmm. that was kind of the thing for me. Um, but, yeah, just it, it didn't, like, this is a game that I would play again, but I wouldn't 
rush to get it back to the table. Right. And I think I feel like for this one, you just really don't have any incentive to play this one. Nope. In the future. Nope. Fair enough. So that's didn't jive with Mama this time. Yeah. So that's the Golden Ages. Um, like I said, not really one for us. If you want it, it's probably going to be up on uh, <laughs> our. We're probably going to have it up on a trade or something. Well, and and I will mention, I think this is one that I th- I pretty sure suffers a little bit from two players mm-hmm. having more space on the map. Even though the map is theoretically smaller it's, with two players, I, I feel like it was too. Well, I feel like it's it was still too easy to get where you need to get to, and I think having some conflict in that game would probably like having more people to step on and more competition for certain cards would be something that would be helpful. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, probably. Now another one that uh, I really wasn't sure how you were going to feel, um, and this is another one that's been sitting on our shelf for months and months and months. That and I months. asked for the other night. Yeah, you finally asked for it. This is Archipelago. Um, this is the. Now this is funny because I was expecting this one to also be somewhat of a civ builder game. It's actually more of an economic game yeah. more than anything else. Archipelago. It just happens to take place on a big, on a sprawling map. Essentially, um, this is. Having you uh, are playing like colonists trying to colonize the archipelago, you know, an archipelago area in the Caribbean, and you are, of course, stepping on the toes of the natives. But as you are going through and building up this civilization and building up the area, um, you're trying to keep to placate the natives to keep them happy because archipelago does a neat thing where it's semi cooperative, um, where you are trying to work together in the event to prevent like an uprising which mm-hmm. causes everyone to lose but you're also trying to have the most lucrative and profitable not profitable but have the most victory points for yourself right when the game ends um this one was super interesting there's really not another game that we have that's really like it Mm-mm. i found um it starts off with you know central space and and both players will build the maps each map tile contributes a certain number and a certain types of resources that you can then, you know, export to a local a certain number of huts to contribute to the number of people, right? Unemployed workers that are, that are working around. And of course, if those build up, then the natives will grow very unhappy with you. There's also a local market and a distant market. Whenever you discover a new tile, um, you're always going to add stuff to the local market from among the resources that the tile produces. You get one as well. And when it's and so after you do that, you actually take your turns and there's all sorts of actions you can do. You can harvest different resources, which is important. You can continue to explore the island, which is, of course, essential as you well. You can build buildings. Yep. Put up some buildings and there's different buildings with different effects. Collect taxes. Yep. You can reproduce, um, which is gets yeah, you more. It gets you more colonists. You can also hire um, some of the unskilled workers to keep that. Yes, resource and check basically. The track has monetary value on each, and each, each line. But where I found where the real crux of the game lies is you can, all, of course, buy and sell to the distant markets in the game. Oh yeah, and I this made is, some serious moolah off of that. Well, and this is where it's the balance is because as the resources pile up in these markets, it actually makes the natives also grow restless there as well because it contributes more. More workers that are out of work because the stuff's not moving consistently, then mm-hmm. then it's gonna they're gonna pile up, and every round you have to worry about that. Um, there's also every round a crisis that has to be dealt with to the island uh, that requires the contribution of resources. 
Um, and it's always a different type of resource. And there's also a crisis in the export market that you have to export different resources as well. Just a lot of moving parts in here. Um, where else the game shines is in the acquisition. They have these uh, progress cards. Sometimes they're like a different noble or you know a different person. Sometimes they're just like a special power that you can use. You can acquire these cards, but what's really cool is at the end of each round, you either have to buy one of the cards and rotate one of them, or you have to rotate two of the cards, and you're saying, what do you mean rotate them? The cards have different costs in each corner of them. And essentially, when you rotate a card, you're either going to make it cheaper or more expensive mm-hmm. for your opponent. So the longer something, cool. yeah, the longer something lingers on the market, it might grow cheaper, more expensive, or eventually might disappear entirely once you get it to a certain point as well. So that was really neat too. Just a really interesting game. Another really cool thing the game does is it has um, a hidden end game trigger. So each player gets a couple of objective cards which serve two purposes. First of all, they determine how points are going to be scored at the end of the game, um, which means you have some information on how you're going to earn victory points, but not all information. And it also specifies when the game ends. And basically when a player triggers one of these end game policies, they reveal it. And then that's the game. Like it can end in an instant. So like, especially once you get a little bit deeper in, you never quite know when things are going to peter out. Game also does a really neat thing where they have varying length objectives. So essentially, according to the side of the box, this game can take anywhere from 30 minutes, which I don't believe, even with two <laughs> players, um, 30 minutes to 240 minutes, essentially, whether you're doing a short, medium, or long version of the game. That, of course, you know, caters to the different objectives that you pick out there. Right. What an interesting game this was. And, and like I said when we start talking about it, nothing we have in our collection that's quite like it. No. Like I said, I really enjoyed, like, once I started getting some of the cards, I enjoyed how um, how I was getting my resources. Because, like, I picked up this card that gave me basically an extra resource for every one of that type that I was on. So, like, I ended up with, like, three boats out there, and I was trying to get fish. So, mm-hmm. each time I'd get six fish, and then I was selling them in the distant markets for lots of money. <laughs> yeah, like, and then that's the thing is there's lots of different ways that you can tackle victory in this one. Um, trying to control specific resources is certainly one way you could do that to, to control the flow of money. Yeah, because they are limited. Once they're gone, they're gone. But the thing is, is that money is only a means to an end of this game because it's not, at least, well, at least the one with we played, I mean, there might be a card that does most money, but money is not usually a way to earn victory points. There's right. very specific methods that you have to use. So like my cards were like building or it's whoever had the most uh I had to have the most um cathedrals and the most something else. Oh, something else, yeah. yeah. And I and mine were controlling building towns on specific spaces with, you know, certain resource requirements essentially. Just a really really interesting game. Um two players was kind of not the right count I think for this one. Like, it works okay, but I thought that we'd have to negotiate with it. Like, one of the big themes in the game is negotiation, because when, for, like, turn order, for example, whoever gets to, whoever is determined for turn order is not necessarily who goes first, but they're the ones that actually set the turn order for the entire table. So you're incentivized to try to bribe them if you really need to go earlier in turn or something of that nature. And that never really popped up throughout the game. 
um, too much as well. I mean, you still have to work together sometimes. Well, it didn't help. I got the king card also. Yeah, the king gave Emily three free money to bid with tur- for turn order every round. Cause yeah, because you, you have to, it's 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 an auction for turn order. It's like Scoville. Very much so. Um, we did have to work together. Like like you're forced to work together to solve the crises. Right. And that's also one where and and the next time we play this, I think we might be a little bit more. Sinister, where like I don't since, know, I was pretty mean. Well, all of your all of your money and resources are hidden behind a screen, so the other players don't know exactly what you have. So oh, like, my other one was most fish. Okay, that's what it was. So when a crisis pops up, um, even if you have the goods to be able to avert the crisis, you might not want to, depending on if that if getting rid of those goods at that moment in time would actually help you right or not or you might not want to because it might hamper your opponent to not help them help their colonists uh avert the crisis themselves because basically colonists that you can't pay for during the crisis aversion phase um don't get to act that round and then as they well. become angry. right they might rebel as well and yeah. and that's and that's the something that I was using as well as I was kind of Using the rebellion track to my advantage, like I was pushing the thresh toward the end of the game, especially I was kind of pushing the limits of the rebellion track. And and hopefully I was going to make you if you didn't end the game as quickly as you did, I was going to kind of force you to maybe do some well, stuff to because peel it I back. figured that's what you were doing. So I'm like, I got to get the hell out of Dodge. Right. So it, w- it was an interesting game. Um, like I said, I don't know if two is the best count, but for the mechanics, not. but for the well, but for the mechanics that are in the game. That normally don't work well with two players, like the auction and like the and like the semi cooperative nature of it. It does okay, pretty well. Yeah. Um. I also like the varying game lengths with this one. We played a medium game for our one play. Um. I don't know if I'd want to do a long game of well, this. Also, I was in you know in a considerable amount of pain the other night, and I had to. Yeah, keep, you were a trooper too. I had to keep laying <laughs> down for a few minutes in between. Yeah, this this so. this this one was was <laughs> some issues, and I I I wasn't sure how she was feeling well, about the game. I ended up, I think it was something I ate. I had something just not right in my belly, right. and like I'm like, oh no, it's fine, it's fine. I'm like, okay, and I lay down for a few minutes, come back. So it took us like two hours, but. I right, think it probably should have taken a lot shorter. Trim, yeah. trim all the time that I had to take to lay down for a few minutes, and it probably took us maybe an hour and a half, if that. Honestly, right? So, yeah, Archipelago was good. Um, it's one we're going to keep around, and one we're probably going to explore with a little bit more. It was an interesting, uh, interesting game, and and one that certainly bears more more repeating. Yeah. So the last one, um, <laughs> we uh, <laughs> we're morons. <laughs> Apparently, so so I wanted to try one of the new um, escape room games that are out on the market right now, and I've heard a lot of good things about the Exit the Game series, um, which is from Cosmos. That so these are all all of the ones in the series were developed by Marcus and Inca Brand, who most notably de- designed Village. Uh, but they've done they've done all the ones in the series, and these are escape room games. But all of them, all, almost all the components are cards with this one. And don't worry, obviously we're not going to we're not going to talk about spoilers or anything. Like we'll just talk about it in very general general terms. Um but we did the secret lab one, because again I'd heard very good things about these. They are It's only fifteen bucks. It, it because was, it's a one and done. Yeah, well you, this this is one you absolutely can only play one time before before it's it, it's done for. There's no way to reset it because of things that you do because you like you do have to like destroy components and do certain things and, and you write on things, things and right yeah exactly um so this this game 
made us feel very, very stupid. Now, mind you, this is how it was brought to me. Mm-hmm. He says, oh, honey, it's 11 o'clock. He says, I got one. It should only take us about an hour. Okay, sure. Two hours later. Right. Well, it says, it says on the box 60 to 120 minutes. And I was going on the lower end because I was like, we're smart people. We can figure this out. Now, that being said, that time flew by like nothing. The problem was a lot of times we were just overthinking it. Yeah, that, I mean, that that's that is that was a big and, and part of that's my fault, because I've actually like out of the two of us, I'm the only one that's ever done and like in like an actual escape room before. So I was kind of drawing back to that experience and not simplifying a lot of stuff. And the, and, and the, this, of course, does the thing where like they have hint cards in the game. So if you get stuck, you can flip over some hints on the specific puzzle that you're working on. And it's it's one of those things where like once you read the hint and you're just and you just hit yourself in the head because it was it, like the answer was right in front of your face. Yep. And you just didn't uh like one of them. I was I was on the right track. He's like, "No, no, no, no. You don't have to do it that way." I'm like, "But <sighs> yeah." I mean, I, it, it was still a blast to play, though, even, yeah. though, even though it made you feel really, really stupid as you were going through. And then we look at the clock. It's like 1 a.m. I was like, we've got to go yeah. to bed. Um, and this one was cool because they have. So basically, aside from the deck of cards that it comes with, you also get there's like a decoder thing and there's like a notebook. And there's a book. Right. That, you know. ha- that, that you use throughout the throughout the adventure. It's a really clever, clever thing. Um, I can't imagine having to design this and make it work, especially with like the decoder to try and like stumble upon solutions that people would guess wrongly normally to set Mm -hmm. them up for failure. Um, But yeah, this, it it, it was a very interesting game. Now that being said, like I've said, these are one and done and they are only 15 bucks. I don't know how many more out of the exit, the game series we're going to do. Um, I think I might like to explore some of the other ones that are out there. Well, don't we have one downstairs? We have the Stargazers Manor one downstairs. I, I was going to save that for an evening with like our friends uh-huh. to do. Um, there is one called Escape Room, the game, I think, that actually comes with like four scenarios in it mm-hmm. that you can do um and has so it's some like a sherlock off. holmes thing where you Kinda get like sort of. the you get x amount and then right it's, yeah something that might be fun but if you uh like i said you have fit the 15 bucks to spare and a night of what essentially boils down to like logic puzzles and brain teasers and stuff Which like we that love. right especially you more than oh, yeah. anything else and, and yeah professor layton yeah and you want like a good hour and a half two hour experience um yeah exit the game is is great and it worked really well with two players. Professor Layton for the Switch. Yeah, I don't think it's happening. Um, <laughs> and, and it worked really well with two players. Um, and actually, from, I've heard from other podcasters talking about this, that this is not actually a game you want to play with more people. Like, it's like, no. I've heard it said no one, no player count above four is really good for this series. So two is definitely great. And you can work together and... I- we did pretty fun. well considering. Well, a lot of it too. I mean, think about it. It's eleven o'clock at night. We're getting tired brain on us a little bit too. Mm-hmm. So well, we got five out of ten stars on the little scoring system that they had. Well, and we always did worse because if three more minutes and we would have been over two hours, and that drops you into the really dumb tier, uh-huh. essentially. <laughs> so yeah, exit the game. Um, like I said, we did the secret lab. I think there's like th- at least three of these out right now with different themes. Cool. Yep. I enjoyed myself.
this week, I thought it'd be cool to go back and look at some of the games that we've given like initial thoughts on throughout the series that we've done so far and kind of revisit some of the ones that we've played quite frequently and kind of, you know, revisit them, give updated impressions and talk about kind of where those games sit. Um, You know, are we still playing them regularly? Do we still own them? In some cases, not so much. <laughs> right. Um, and yeah, and, and we'll just kind of go from there and see, it's see been a while how this has done this because we did it once before, didn't we? I don't think we ever did this actually. Really? Yeah, as far as yeah. I know. Um, let's actually go back to front. We'll go o- oldest to most recent. Um, so the oldest one that I have here on the list from episode six. Uh, this is the Voyages of Marco Polo. Um, this is the the Euro game from the same design team that brought us Zulkin. Um, it's a dice action worker placement game, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, I know we talked about it favorably when we when we reviewed when we gave our impressions initially. I think it was pretty high up on our 2015 games of the year, if I recall correctly. I feel like it was like number three or something. I don't remember. I don't remember either. Um, this is one that has carved out a very permanent home in our collection. It's definitely yes. one of our favorite like heavier. I feel like it's me it's like it makes me happier every time I play it. Well, and and the reason I like it is because <laughs> it is it is still so like even after having played it, we've probably played it four or five times I think at this point. Mm-hmm. Which means it's not getting like too too much play, but I mean it still finds its way out regularly. It's it's still a game that's so hard to well, play. We have almost 300 games. Oh, I yeah. mean, come on. It's still a game that's difficult to play or difficult to do a lot in. Like I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, because what is it? How many rounds is it? Essentially, five. It's five rounds. Yeah. It's five rounds, and and you're very constricted with the number of actions that you can do. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think either of us have broken the hundred point barrier Mm-mm. yet in this one. I don't even think we've really come that close to doing so. And I heard that I don't people think have. We've even broke like seventy, have we? That might be like the highest score that we've ever had <laughs> in this one. We also picked up. They have the. Um, I don't know what the expansion is called, but it's it's actually more like a promo expansion that we got as well, and that's been really cool too because it adds different. Um, well, with this one, I love that the people that you pick, mm-hmm. they're all super broken, right. but it works. Well, and the expansion adds more of those folks right. as well, and they also add like these. I think gift that's tiles. what it was. I used one of the new, the newer people the last time we played, and he mm-hmm. was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember who it was, but yeah, it's I love because their abilities they're like so overpowered and broken, but well, because everybody's is, it's okay. But that's where the charm is, is that depending on who you pick is going to determine like the strategy that you should mm-hmm. probably chase throughout the game. And and like determine. there's the one guy that gives you the automatic ten in, um, what's it called? In Beijing or whatever yeah, yeah, city yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so yeah, so yeah. Voyage to Marco Polo, um, great, great game. Highly recommended. Um, something that we love, and it's only gotten better every time we played it since we mm. first uh, first discussed it. Um, <laughs> one that suffered a little bit. Well, it's funny because when we so Navigador is the next one that we talked about. This is the Matt Gertz um, seafaring Rondell game. We were really high on this game. Really, really when liked we played it. the initial impressions, and and that was the first time that we played it. And then when we eventually got around to playing it the second time, for whatever reason, totally fell flat. For lost, both of it's us, lost its luster. Did we did we finish the second game? We did. Okay, we did finish it. We did finish, but neither of us were really having a good time. Mm-mm. And it's funny because after we after we played this the first time, 
I was like, oh man, this is great. Well, so much better than Concordia. Like it's it, it's it's just right. The right it's amazing. And then like we played them both again, and I'm like, no wait, Concordia is much better than right, this. Right, right, like right. it's well, no, but it reminded me of um, oh god, what was the one? The um, the one that had the rocket dice. Oh, Alien Frontiers. Yes. So that was that's another one that kind of suffered like this. Like we really loved it the first time or two we played it, and then after that, it's just like we were playing through it. that one. I know we didn't finish a game of that. that we were well, start, we were no, playing it, and we're no, just Alien, like, Alien eh. Frontiers. We played a bunch before we had that one game where we're just like, Ugh, you know what I mean? Like where we felt like mm. with navigate and plus the thing with Alien Frontiers that I feel like one of the reasons we didn't we stopped playing is because I feel like we kind of solved it to an extent. Yeah. That wasn't the case here. Like we were still doing doing the game, but for whatever reason, like that first game, which was so incredible with Navigator, like the second game just wasn't there. And maybe because it was too similar, maybe because the same kind of strategies emerged and I didn't really see a whole lot of deviation right. from there. But yeah, the second time we played it, it just, neither of us loved it. Mm-mm. And we put it on the trade shelf like the very next day because it we knew at that point that it wasn't going to happen. Well, it's funny because I'm finding like the the further we go along in this, I've become much more discerning in... You know, and it, and I'm quicker to be able to say, okay, yeah, you're nagging on this. Well, it's because you ha- you've played enough games and you've played an, a, a wide enough variety of games that you can draw comparisons to certain ones. Like there, there's certain like um, what were we playing? Oh, Cuba Libre. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yep, nope. We got well, about yeah, for, like, and, and for me, <laughs> we get like a third of the way through, and I'm just like, yep, nope, this well, is not right. And, for and, me. That, and for me, that helps me because now I know, okay, there's a very specific type of war game that, <laughs> that, that Emily likes, <laughs> and we should just stick to those type of war games from now on, like the really card driven, <laughs> simplified ones, uh, I guess. Um, here's one that has definitely taken up permanent residence on our shelf, Gold or never West. Gold West is Gold West, might be, and TMG has quite a few of these for a reason, but Gold West might be the best game out there that not a lot of people have heard of, essentially. This is a... What would you even call this? Like a resource, it's a resource slide management. game sort of it's game? It's resource of management. Yeah, this is the one where you are striking out in, you know, like boom towns and in, in, in the Old West as, you know, what, as the name would indicate. And it does this cool thing where every turn you collect resources and you have to put them in one of these four bins that are on your player mat. But at the beginning of each turn, you're going to take one of the bins, pick up all the resources out of it, and then distribute them Mancala style into the bins above it. And then whatever resources pop out at the top is what you have to spend for that turn. And right. it's in your best interest to to have settlements to build because you suffer penalties for every round that you can't put out a new settlement on the board. And this is one of those great things because it's, it's a game that requires you to plan m- many turns in advance to do really well. And there's lots of different ways that you can approach the strategy here. Like you can, you can go heavy into collecting the different minerals and say, forget building settlements. I'm just going to take all these penalties, but I'm going to get tons of objective cards and tons of, you know, the, the tiles I want in Boomtown and move up the delivery tracks and get tons of points that way, and I'll negate all the negative points that I'm going to suffer. Or you can be very careful about settlement building. There's also an area majority 
thing where you're trying to get the majority of a certain of certain terrain types that you build on. Mm-hmm. Essentially, very good. Lots of variance with the setup because the way the tiles pop out are going to be different every game. We've introduced this to other people. It's gone over really well. It's, mm-hmm. it's like I said, just a terrific medium weight strategy game. And if you haven't played Gold West, if you haven't heard of it, it's definitely worth checking out. Um, we talked about it back in episode 11. Um, but it's it's one we've played many, many, many times since then, and I can like never I said, see getting I rid of it. I love the fact that you get penalized for not being able to, for not planning enough ahead to be able to build something each turn. Right, but but there are some rounds where even if you're playing as careful as you can, you're going to have to eat that penalty right. to do but other you just, things. You just got to make sure you eat less penalties than everybody else. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, back in episode 17, we talked about Raptor. This is a two-player... Um, Card driven like action selection game mm-hmm. where one player are one player scientists is, and one player is the mommy raptor. Yeah, they're trying to rescue her babies before uh, they can all be captured before she can be um, captured by the scientists as well. This was one that you were super excited to check right. out. It sounded super cool, and I really was looking forward to it. Well, I and- know when we talked about it, you were. You you said that you were trying to wrap your head around the gameplay. You I didn't could, do very like, well. For whatever reason, I just couldn't get like when it seemed like every time I played a card and mm. whatever you played, it never fell in my favor. And I, yeah, I just, I don't know. Maybe I'm just stupid sometimes. Well, you never really did catch on with it either because we no. eventually we eventually moved this one on. I really like this game though. I thought it was a really Fun game. I enjoyed the asymmetric nature of the gameplay, and I I like playing both sides. I like playing the Raptor more than I like playing the 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 Hunters or whatever you want to call them. Um, but yeah, you just never really got down with this one, no. Which is surprising because I figured that you would. And this is also a birthday request, if I recall correctly, from you. I don't remember. I'm pretty sure that it was. It might have been. So, but yeah, Raptor didn't didn't end up saying. There was several birthdays ago, hon. Episode 24, um, we talked about Archaeology, the New Expedition. This game. Well, this this game has, so like, we've talked about Parade on this show quite a bit as like our go-to filler. And we've with, talked about Arboretum, too. I like Arboretum. Not as much as we talked about Parade. Like, Parade, right. Parade, I think we did our top 20 a few months ago. That cracked into the top 20. Oh, yeah, because Parade's awesome. Right, but I I feel like that archaeology. If you're a longtime listener, parade you'll remember is uh, my pick because only because I looked at the box and saw the Cheshire Cat and saw it was all <laughs> Alice in Wonderland themed. I was like, I want this. I don't care what it is. But our, my my point is is that archaeology has kind of replaced it as like our go to like small box thirty minute you know but still substantive game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fantastic. Well, because because the set collection aspects are fun, the the hand wringing over the thieves and the sandstorms. And, well, no, like trying to get like uh, trying to collect certain sets and giving up having to give up cards to do it, waiting for you know certain cards to pop in the market. But then, of course, sandstorms getting, come and wreck getting, you. Getting the what the map pieces so mm-hmm. that you can search the other things yeah it's yeah. you you there there just isn't a game that just clicks this well we've probably played this game 15 times 15 20 times easily <laughs> like it's it it's it's just good it's really good um it's one of those ones where one night we were 
winding down for the evening and he was oh i got i got another one we can play it's really quick mm-hmm. i'm like but babe i'm so tired and he's like let's play archaeology okay i'm awake yeah yeah i mean like to me this is this this is like the quintessential filler game essentially it's it's fantastic um definitely definitely can't recommend like like if there were two games on this list i would say you should go out and get if you haven't heard of them before it is archaeology and gold west probably i would say for sure okay um, episode 26, we talked about 51st State. Um, we got the Master Set Edition. Now, this is one that this is another one where I soured on future plays, and right. it wasn't because the game is bad, it's because I just think Imperial Settlers is such a superior version of this game, right? That I, I just with this one, I mean, it was all right, but I never really loved it from the start. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I'd rather, if I'm going to play this type of a game, I want to play Imperial Settlers. And, and it's funny because this one actually is a little bit tighter than Imperial Settlers. So typically if stuff, if it's harder to play, I tend to like it more. But Imperial Settlers, I think, just works really Imperial well. Settlers is more fun. Yeah, that's definitely true. That's definitely true. And I, and I like, like, I feel like the combos are more fun to use in Imperial Settlers like when you do something really cool in Fifty First State, like you have to work for it, and that's fine. You have to really work for it, though. But Imperial Settlers, like it's it's cool to set up these engines and just watch them just like pay off and get tons of victory points and stuff like that. It's that part of it was always really neat. I also really enjoy the the difference in the factions in Imperial Settlers. The ones in Fifty First State really don't have a ton of, of variance. Well, because all the cards, like no matter which faction you use, the cards that you use are always the same. Right. Imperial Settlers, you have those decks that are unique to the factions that kind of make them stand get, out amongst the other. Did we get a new one for that? We got the Amazons one, yeah. No. I don't know if we've played it since then. I know we've played with the... No, we, we did. We talked about the show. So Did we? I think so. Pretty sure. We need to play again. Yeah, we do. That's that's true, too. Yeah, but 51st State did not last long. Not many of these on this list we need to play. Yeah, but we gave 51st State like four plays, and that was that was Well, enough. and one of those plays was even with our friends Kevin and Corey, and... Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, we all, I mean, we enjoyed ourselves, but we didn't have like, you know, a blast. Yeah, it wasn't, right, wasn't right, as right. fun. Wasn't as fun. Not like when we played Gold West with them. Gold West, everybody was like, oh my God, yeah. this is so fun. Um, episode 30, uh, we talked about New Bedford. And it's a shame that we haven't talked about this one as much because this is another great um, filler plus, I would say. <laughs> filler plus. <laughs> I mean, it is a filler plus because you can beat, the, you can play the game in 45. 45 minutes easy um mm-hmm. but it's a terrific it goes by the rounds go by so quick in this well, especially one. early because you're very limited to what you can do but right. this is this is carved it out a niche is a very cool worker placement game uh-huh. and even more so so like we love lahav and we've talked about that on the show several times but if i want that kind of vibe but we don't have two hours to set aside to playing lahav like this is i go to this even quicker than i go to Lahav, the Inland Port, which is not entirely fair because Inland Port plays extremely differently than standard right. Lahav does. But I'd much rather play New Bedford. Um, I really like the the whaling mechanic and how it really like managing the boats and how they come out to sea and and the order that that goes in. The varying strategies, all the different buildings, um, playing with the Rising Tide expansion, also very cool. See, that's the thing for me. The buildings. The buildings are what make the game. Mm -hmm. Because if not for them, you know, what's there to do? Well, and and also, like, really weighing out. and, And New Bedford's a game that's really tricky when you first start playing because it's hard. Money is so tight, but you need it to do a lot of things. 
you learn eventually how to work around that with subsequent plays. And now right. I feel like we're at a spot where we are playing the game well. Mm-hmm. And we can actually pay. For, like, it's not about, okay, I've caught all these whales. I have to find ways to pay for them. So I'm going to be really inefficient just to find that way. It's like, okay, I want to really get these whales on my boat. I don't care about these whales, and oh, Emily can't afford them either. So I'm just gonna, I'm just right. gonna take the money and let her just watch as they pass on by. Douchebaggery at its finest. Right. So yeah, New Bedford, really fun worker placement game. Um, another one that I don't think gets enough love out there. Um, this is a, a smaller print run game from Dice Hate Me. So definitely check out New Bedford. Um, if you haven't checked that out, the last one said the only game about whaling that I'm probably actually ever going to like. Or play for that matter. How many how many games about whaling are there? Because you know, whaling just is not very nice. No, but I mean, and like we said, when we first talked about it. This one kind of shows the negative effects of it right. as you go. Um, Great Western Trail is one that we talked about in episode thirty nine. So just a couple of episodes ago, which um, we just played again what two weeks ago? Well, it's last funny. week. No, it was last week. Well, it's funny because we we didn't play it after playing it and giving our impressions of it. And then I had the hankering to play it again, or actually you did probably a couple a week or so ago. Mm-hmm. And we had such an amazing time with it that like a couple days later, I'm like, Hey, I want to play it again. Cause it was, it's just, it just grabbed me. It's fun. It's like, it's, it's fun, but it's also intellectually stimulating. Well, and, and the thing that I like the most about it is that, I love a game, and it's good that we don't, that it's not all we play, but I do love a game that rewards smart and inventive play and doesn't pull any punches. Because I know when we first played it, M waxed the floor with me. Like, I think you won like 90 something to 48 or something (laughs) stupid like that. Because you played a great game. And then the next game that we played, I had like 120 points and beat you like 120 to 50 or something right, like that. Right. Because I found a great engine and a great a great structure. But that's what's cool about this. Because of all the variance in setup with the game, with how the initial buildings are placed, the player buildings, which ones of those become available, which workers... because there, There's so many varying things that change from game to game that don't let you camp out on one strategy every game is like a new puzzle mm-hmm. to kind of unlock and figure out and it's just really really satisfying to play it's it's one of my favorite heavy like worker like heavy euro games now mm-hmm. and like if we had to go back and do our 2016 games of the year at this point like great Ruster trail would probably be in the top three for me because it's it really has put on that much of an impression for me well, since we've checking it out. I love it and it's it's a clever game. It's like, just, it's just I like smart. how like, it's, like I said, when you get to the top and you have to drop off your your goods, your cows, mm-hmm. you know, it's clever that okay, if you actually work towards building up, you know, getting the more expensive cows and getting to the larger cities and everything. Well, and, that it and, rewards you for that, but well, if it's you great do because crappy, when you, then you get penalized. Well, it's great because it makes it makes you. It, the reason it's so satisfying is because it makes you work hard for every single thing that you do. But then when you pull it off, you're like, man, like I, like <laughs> I made that happen. Like, well, it, like the last game we had, I kept getting um, the the gold cards, mm. and 
I just, I'm sitting there, I'm like, ooh, I can do this, and ooh, I can do this, and ooh, I can do this. And, like, it was so satisfying at the end of the game to put them all out and then have everything completed and done. And I'm mm-hmm. like, yes. Well, and for, and for me, it was um, when the first couple times that we played, I can never, like, I always had a lot of deliveries to, like, the lower yeah. cities, which are you usually find, the bad ones. This last time, you finally started Yeah, this to get last it. time, I, well, I found an engine that worked to get, and, and, like, and I finally, like, got to San Francisco, and I was like, yeah, I'm getting that one, it's going to be nine points, it'd be great. And, and, like, I didn't have any of the ones, like, I didn't have to suffer any negative points on the... That's how we know we're getting track. better. Right. And and so that that felt really good. Like it, you know, and that's something I developed over multiple turns in that multiple rounds in that game, making it work. Would also help that you kind of screwed me over a couple of times mm. with tile placement when you built buildings. Right. Well, and that's part of it too. That's part of it as well. You have and to I look love at that, the hazards. So. Oh my god, it's got hazards. They cost a lot to actually remove from the board, but some of them are worth a lot of points too. Yeah, it likes it. It's great wrestling trail just is one of those games that it's I, I almost felt like the first time we played it, I was like, it's good. It's not great. And then, like, you hear, you know, I listen to a lot of other board game podcasts and read a lot of board game media. People are like, this game's amazing. It's incredible. I'm like, what am I not seeing? It didn't click with, with you the this? first time. And it, then, it clicked with me after a couple turns in. I got yeah. it. I don't think it clicked with you the first time we played. No, but the second time, I was like, whoa! Like, it's like, <laughs> like my brain my brain opened up, and I was like, here's like, like, here, yeah, it. You were like those jet commercials where your brain exploded, right? Kind of, sort of. So, yeah, that's, so, yeah, Great Western Trail, excellent, excellent game, um, and one that ain't going anywhere. No. Like, like, when we get around to doing our top 20 down the road again at some point, it's many, probably, many episodes around, we'll yep. probably find it in there, I would imagine, at this yep. point, so... So yeah, so that is that is like I said a good a good re-review of some games that we had talked about before but uh haven't gotten to talk about since but felt like we wanted to just to kind of give updated views on some of those. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Um and that is it for us this week. So um quick reminder that we are one of many shows that are in the TNP Studios network. So check out all the other great shows as well in there, including their Apocalypse, Dense Pixels, and Black on Black Cinema. Um, and if you get a chance, make sure you check out the YouTube channels for the Nerdpocalypse and for Dense Pixels, as we are starting to do much more video content on a regular basis with those as well. So lots of cool stuff, especially on the Nerdpocalypse channel. Lots of movie reviews and previews of Nerdpocalypse episodes, which you can certainly check out as well. Um, give us a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Tabletop for two if you have not done that yet. And uh, that's pretty much all we got. Thanks very much again for listening. We'll see you a lot next time. Bye.